So Joey Lucci has been the youth pastor here for many years now. I honestly don't even know how many. But back in the day when I was the youth pastor and I used to go on the youth retreats uh, to Tuscarora, we would go and have these amazing times. But every year there was always the same problem. There were prank wars. It would start out really innocent. Some people would like tie doorknobs together so you couldn't get out of your room. You know, there'd be a gummy worm and like the mashed potatoes at dinner. Always innocent and like harmless. And then it would escalate, you know. So somebody would take somebody's sleeping bag and get it all wet and take it outside and freeze it, you know. Um, and then somebody else had the idea to take Kool-Aid mix and put it in the shower head so you turn the water on, you're all red or blue, you know. Um, and then it, would, it got really bad. Like, there would be, like, frogs and birds and, like, dead animals showing up in people's rooms when you want to know how they became dead. But, you know, th- that started happening. And it was really bad, and so it was really escalating a lot. And so um, Joey's dad was one of the youth leaders at the time, and so he came up with an idea that we should get the kids back, like, a little bit of, the, of their own medicine. So... What we did was we had the staff at the retreat center we were staying at write us a letter saying that we were kicked out of the, out of the facility for all the pranks that were going on. And so um, I was up on stage just about to start a new session, and we timed it with the staff to bring the letter in right then. So I'm, I'm giving the announcements for the night, and all of a sudden this lady walks in from their office, and she says, Mr. Jansen, you need to read this letter. And so I took it out, and I began to read it, and they, they just like knocked out of the park with what they said. They were like, um, you guys you know, hitherto must, you know, leave this place, leave this facility, your, your acts of uh, completely an abomination before the Lord. And like, I mean, just like all this ridiculous over-the-top stuff. And I've never been able to do this in my whole life before or since, but I actually made myself cry while I was reading it in front of the group. I don't know how I pulled that off. It was great. And so I got tears in my eyes and the, you feel in the room get real cold you know, and so they went on and on in the letter. I think it said something about the people responsible for the pranks were going to have to pay certain amounts of money and how we could never return. And, you know, so I had all the kids who had done any prank that weekend stand up. And it was almost the whole group. So the whole group standing up, you know, and I said, guys, there's only really one thing left to say. And I walked off the stage and on the screen behind me, it just said, you've been pranked, you know. So we totally got them and everyone just like completely decompressed. And they still cried, some of the girls. But uh, it, it was just so awesome to get them with a little bit of their own medicine because it always became these incredible prank wars. We'd have parents calling, we'd have kids crying. It was just always a mess. And we eventually just said, no more pranks. Like, we're done with pranks. Welcome to Prank Free Tuscarora. Enjoy your weekend, you know, Um, because these prank wars got so out of hand. Well, I'll tell you, here in our culture, kind of what's going on is we're involved, sort of, it feels like anyway, in some culture wars, okay? And what I mean by that is it kind of feels like here in America, things are becoming just less and less Christian. It kind of feels like the culture that we live in, less and less is tolerant of Christians, likes Christians, or likes anything Christian or about God. And here we are in this place, I think, as Christians, and we're kind of in an awkward place, because I don't think we want to be at war with anybody. Like, it's not our goal. We're not this militant group. We're not, you know, devising plots to take over the world. But here we are as followers of Jesus in 2014, and we're just, I think, many of us probably asking questions like, how exactly do we handle what's going on in America right now? How do we exactly handle what's going on in the culture when things seem to be changing so much? I mean, when I was a kid, America was really, really different. When I was a teenager, America was really, really different. Ten years ago, America was really, really different. And lately, even as a staff, we've been sitting having conversations about how to handle certain situations and things that I don't think we ever dreamed we would be sitting in America, the land of the free, right, talking about. And so what do we do? What do we do as followers of Jesus? That's what I want to talk with you guys about for the next four weeks. 
We have to decide, I think, now how we're going to handle this. And there's a lot of different responses. There's a lot of different things we could do. One thing we could do is we could just water down our Christianity. We could basically decide, all right, well, since you know, culture doesn't like this aspect of God or that aspect of God, we'll just leave those parts out and we'll just talk about the nice parts and the parts that makes everybody feel warm and fuzzy and happy. And that's one option. I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. And we're going to talk actually a little bit more about that idea next week. I think another option is, all right, well, let's just stop engaging culture. Let's kind of go hide. Let's just uh, lock the front doors. We'll make sure everybody knows this is only a place that Christians are welcome and people who think like us, and we'll be safe for a time anyway, and we'll just kind of do our own thing in here and just pray Jesus comes back quick, you know, and that'll be that. And I don't think that's what God has for us. There's another option. This is the option I really want to talk with us a lot about tonight, okay? I think this third option is, so often what we do and the way we react to what's going on in our world right now is we blame all the other groups. We blame everybody that's not like us. So Christians are blaming non-Christians. You know? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you've felt this a little bit. But I'm sure if you're a follower of Jesus, there's probably been a time you've looked around at our culture and you've thought, you know, the problem with this culture and the problem with our world today is that group or those people or those people who don't think like me or feel like me. And you know what? Then it becomes Democrats versus Republicans and Republicans versus Democrats and people with hair against people with no hair. And that's, that's just bad, you know? And so I think what we've got to do, guys, is say, okay, we're not going to play that game. Like We're not going to just decide, okay, that the answer to what's going on in our world right now is to just simply keep blaming everybody who doesn't think like us, blaming everybody who doesn't believe like us. You see, I think God wants us to respond in a very, very different way. I don't know about you guys. Some of, there's probably a few of you guys here tonight that have kids. Many of you guys, I, I would guess, have thought, like, what kind of a world... What kind of a country, what kind of a place am I going to be raising my kids? You know, when I have kids, I think about my grandkids. I think about my own kids. I got a nine-year-old son. I think about him in 10 years. What's America going to be like if we kind of keep going the way that we've been going? And so here in this culture, I want us to talk about how we can not water down Christianity and not put our heads in the sand and just pretend it's not all there and stop engaging culture and not blame all these other groups and all these groups of other people But instead, how do we move forward? So listen, so that America actually changes. You see, I don't I don't think, and I I I hope you don't feel this way, like we ought to just all, you know, buckle our seatbelts and just let the plane go down and we're just going down with it. That's not what I'm saying tonight. See, I think America could change. I think God could do something really powerful in our nation, and we could see a very different world that we live in. I think this is super, super important stuff for you and I to talk about because I think God wants to use you and I to do it. I think God needs people like you and I to say, okay, we're not all right with where America is, and we're not going to become all militant about it, and all nasty about it, and all rude, and we're not going to start blaming everybody else, but, but we're going to do what God says we should do. Because I don't know if you know this, but there was a time in human history, a long time ago, when things were really, really bad in the nation of Israel, and God gave them a plan. He said, look, here's what I want you to do. When things get bad in your land, this is what I want you to to do as a nation, as a group of people who are mine, okay? And so what I want to do tonight is really look at what they were told to do by God and think about what that would mean for you and I. What, what if you and I acted in the way God asked his people in this time to act? So if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're thinking, wow, what's with this guy? He like, sounds like he wants to take over the world and he wants Christianity to be the religion of the world. No, here's what I really hope you'll see. I hope you'll see our heart here in this. Our heart is not that we want you know, this Christian world because it's some political thing or it's some power thing or we'll feel good and safe then. 
Here's what we want. Here's why this matters to me. Here's why I care about America and I care about our future and our kids and my grandkids and all those people. The reason I care about that is because God's done something real in our hearts. God, Jesus has showed himself to us and it's changed our lives. And so we're not looking to take over the world on some political or some power front. We're looking to just keep on sharing the love of God and the difference he's made in our life. We desperately want that for those around us. We want that for America. We want that for the people of the world. And so that's the heart behind this series. Not like, oh, let's all get wound up and let's go make our stance and and suddenly we make this huge mess. That's not our goal. Our goal instead is to do what God calls us to do, which looks very different than some huge political stance or something like that. And so we're going to look tonight at what God called his people to do. And so here's what's going on. At the passage we're going to look at, Solomon has built the temple. And this is a huge deal because when Solomon built the temple, this is what that meant for the people of Israel. God's presence was now with them. You see, if you and I are followers of Jesus, God's presence is always with us. We kind of take that for granted, right? We just go through our day and I have access access to God like that. I I can pray. I can just, sometimes I feel his presence. Sometimes I feel close to him. And when I was just singing here in the front row during the worship set, I just felt close to God. I felt the presence of God. The people here didn't have that. And so Solomon is dedicating this big temple and God has said, hey, I will actually dwell there. And so they pray this big prayer And the presence of God is in that place. And then that night, God comes to Solomon, the king. And this is what God says in 2 Chronicles 7. And in verse 13, I'm going to read it, and I'm going to leave us hanging for a second. It's like mid-sentence because I want to explain something, all right? So just hang out there with me on verse 13 for a minute, okay? It says this, When I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, okay, there, there we kind of get left hanging there for a second, okay? God's going to tell us what he wants the people to do. But first off, I want you to see a couple of things. First off, I want you to see that God's saying, okay, there's going to be times when the land's going to be in trouble. When the nation is going to be in trouble. Because of drought, because of, you know, plagues. Some people take that where it says, uh, command locusts, that he wasn't talking about literal bugs like locusts, but like locusts, other armies or other people groups that would come and attack the nation, okay? So that's how some people take that verse to me, and that could be, it might not. But the point is, sometimes God was saying, sometimes things are going to get bad for your nation. You know, and I think that's where our nation is right now. I think there's a lot going on in our nation that's really, really scary, okay? The second thing I want to talk about with this part, though, is some of you guys are going, wait, it says, when God shuts up the heavens, or when God commands locusts, or when God sends plagues, like, why would God do any of that? You know, some of you guys may kind of get stuck on that, so I want to explain why God would do any of those things. You see, what we see with the nation of Israel is over and over and over again, here's the pattern, okay? They're close to God, then they start looking at something else that gets their attention. Usually it was something ridiculous, like something they made with their own hands, like a, a, a cow made out of gold. or I mean, it's something that silly, but an idol or something that they begin to worship. And then God would discipline them, and then the people would return to him. Okay, so there's your pattern. Close to God, they would turn from God, he would discipline them, and they would come back. Now, why would God discipline them? Why would he have to shut the heavens so that there's no rain to discipline them? How is God good? Here's how God is good when he does that. Because God knows the best thing for the people is himself. God knows the most free, the most satisfied, the most alive those people are going to be is when they're right near God's 
side. So if it takes discipline to draw them back, God lovingly would do that. I'll give you an example. I have kids, and when we go out shopping, often we'll be in the middle of a parking lot, and one of my kids, Landon, will um, go running off, and I will have to, well, I have a choice. Either I can just let them go and go, eh, still learn the hard way. Whatever, I got two more, you know, like whatever, you know. I could do that, or like a good, loving dad, I could chase after him, and I could grab him, and I could say, bud, I love you, but you could get killed if you do that again. Someone could run over you. You could get lost. You can't ever do that again. I tell you, knowing Landon, he's super defensive. He'll start crying, you know, this whole big thing, and he'll feel terrible about it, and he'll cry and mope through the whole store because he hates when he gets disciplined. And, but you know what? The most loving thing I could do is get him back by my side. And the reason that is is because I think I'm Batman. Truly, okay? Because when I have Landon walking through the parking lot at Target, I know every move I'm going to make if somebody does something, right? Like if I think of a car is going to back up, I know exactly what to do because I'm Batman. Like I, like I literally think this. I don't really think I'm Batman. But I literally think this way. Like I'm walking through the parking lot and I imagine a car backing up. What would I do right now, you know? And so I know because I'm Batman, I'm going to throw Landon up in the sky. I'm going to roll under the car, just miss getting killed. I'm going to jump back on my feet and catch him and we're going to happy going on our way, right? That's how dads think, all right? I just want you to know. You'll be Batman too one day, all you dads. It'll be great. I don't have a costume or anything, maybe. But... um. <laughs> Because I love him and because I care for him, I'll discipline him even if, even if he doesn't like it and even if it's hurtful to him for a season so that he'll stay back by my side because that's the best thing for him. And the same is true for Israel and the same is true for us. And so am I saying tonight that the reason things in America are going bad is because God's disciplining us? Honestly, my answer to you is I don't know. I really don't. It might be. It might not. I'm not one of these guys going to get up on the stage and say, this is because we did this and this is because we did that. I don't really know. But here's what I do know. God's saying, look, when things get bad, whether it's because of something that he's doing to discipline us or it's just simply the way it is right now, then he's going to give us a pattern, a way of doing things in just a second to help us understand how to respond to our culture, to our nation kind of being in trouble right now. And so he goes on. He says, okay, so when things get bad, then he says this, if my people who are called by my name. Now, again, we're mid-sentence, but I got to stop again here. What does he say here? He says, if all the people who aren't Christians, no. He doesn't say, if all the non-church people, if all the people who don't like me, if all the atheists, if all the agnostics, if all the people of other religions, if they will just change. That's not what it says. Right? It says, if my people who are called by my name, when the land gets in trouble, when everything is going bad, if my people who are called by my name. And then he's going to tell us what to do. But this is what is so important here. God is saying, look, I'm looking at my followers. When the land is in trouble, I'm looking at my followers. I'm not looking at everybody who doesn't love me. I'm not looking at everybody who's doing the opposite of what I want them to do. If there's going to be change in a nation, guess who it's going to come through? My people called by my name. That's what God's saying here. And so we got to stop pointing at all the other groups. We gotta stop saying, oh, it's the liberals, it's the conservatives, it's the Democrats, it's the Republicans, it's this group, that group, it's the non-Christians, it's... No, God's looking at you and I, saying if my people will do something about it, if, if those who are called by my name, if those who belong to me will do something about it, then there's hope. And so the first thing he tells us to do, and these kind of flow into each other, 
Okay, I want you to see that tonight. This all flows together. I don't want you to think I'm giving you all these big, you know, lofty things you have to do. They flow together really well. God's going to tell us what to do when the nation's in trouble. If we who are called by his name will do these things, there's hope. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. That's where it starts. It starts with you and I saying, okay, I'm going to humble myself. And one of the ways that works is we stop pointing fingers at the other groups. We stop calling everybody else at. Right? We stop saying, oh, it's their fault. If they would only stop. If this leader, if that leader, if this party, if that. No, 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 no. Humble yourself. Realize God's looking to you and I to make the decision to say, okay, we want to see America change. We want to see a difference made. So we humble ourselves. And I think part of this humbling process is realizing that our role is not to go all militant style and go make our big stance. Our role is to realize this is way bigger than anything we could accomplish on our own. And so he says, okay, if my people who are called by my name, when things go bad, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and do what? And pray. Out of humility. See how this all flows together? When you humble yourself and you realize this is way bigger than you, guess what you're going to do? You're going to go to someone bigger than you. And so you pray. God says, look, if my people will humble themselves and they will pray, there's hope, okay? What does he want us to do here? I think he's calling the nation, to, the, the Christians in the nation to say, God, we need you. This, this nation really, really needs you back. We need your presence. We need you to show up. We need you to move like only you can move. I think we're praying for God to move. We're seeking his hands here, okay? We're seeking his hands to be active in our nation, in our country. And I'll just ask you a question, and this is 100% convicting to me too. This is, I need to hear this tonight. How often do you pray for our nation and our leaders and our president and our local Congress people and all those, all those people, right? How, how often do you pray for our nation as opposed to criticize the leaders of our nation, right? Imagine if we took all the times we've said, oh, this leader, that leader, this group, that group. Imagine if we took all those times and we focused all of that energy and all that frustration and all that disagreement and instead we brought it to God. Imagine how much would be accomplished. Imagine how many prayers would go up. I'm not saying it's, it's bad to debate or be, you know, watch whatever, Fox or CNN. or That's fine, that's fine. You can enjoy that stuff. But you know what? What if more than criticize and more than complain and more than point fingers, we said, God, we need you. And we begin to just cry out to God to do something in America. Because I'll tell you what, the guys on Fox News are smart and the guys on CNN are smart. But you know what? They really can't do anything. I mean, I've seen that. I'm 36, okay? And you know what I've seen in my life? I've seen that for the most part, the people on TV and the people even in the offices, they really can't change all that much. They really can't do all that much. I've just seen things in America get worse and worse and worse. And then you hear promise after promise after promise. And you know what? I think we have to get back to the place where Christians will just simply say, God, we need you. Our land needs you. Heal our land. Change our land. Be with us. Be with this generation. Be with the next generation. God, be with even the older generations. God, do so much. If you and I would begin to make that a regular part of our prayer time. I guess many of you guys in the room have a regular prayer time, whether, you know, it looks like all different things for all different people. Some of you guys go out, you're walking. Some of you guys have a long commute. You're just, you're driving. Some of you guys are just like alone in your room praying, crying out to God. I would just challenge us as a part of a response to this to begin to put into, the, into that um, time with God the aspect of just crying out to God for our nation. I, I don't want to get to the point where I'm old, I was going to say, and gray, I'm, I won't be gray, um, but when I'm old and I'm sitting there looking at my grandkids going, 
is, yeah, America just turned out just like I thought it was going to. You know, yeah, things, when I was a kid, things were all right, and then they got worse when I was a teenager, and then when I was in my 20s and 30s, it just kept getting worse, and everybody just kept saying, man, can you believe this? Can you believe where America's headed? Yeah, I don't want to be sitting there in 40 or 50 years looking at my grandkids, and everything is as bad as we thought. I would much rather be looking at my grandkids going, I'm so glad the church woke up and we began to seek God to do something big in America, because, man, we were going to be in trouble. Things were going to get ugly. Things were going to get bad. But thank God that the Christians who were called by his name humbled themselves and prayed. Thank God we woke up. That's what I want to say in 50 years. That's what I want to look back on and be able to say, wow, what an amazing, amazing, beautiful thing that God has done. So he says, okay, humble myself and pray. Humble yourselves and pray. And then he says, and seek my face. Now, this is really important. Seek my face. It kind of sounds like pray, and when you pray, you are seeking God's face sometimes, but the difference between just pray and seek my face is a really huge deal. The difference between pray and seek my face is basically pray is seek my hand, you know? Seek my hand. You want me to do stuff for you? Okay, seek my hand, and that's okay. God just told us to seek his hand and to pray and ask him to do stuff for us and heal our land. That's great. The Bible tells us we should ask God to do stuff in our lives, right? It's okay to seek the hand of God, but he's taking it a step further now. Don't just seek my hand, but seek my face. Seek my face. You know what that means? When you're seeking the face of God, you're not looking at his hand anymore. You're not looking at what he could give you anymore. You know, so often with my kids, you know, they want something from me, and I, I'm just looking at their eyes. I'm looking at their face, and they're just looking at my hand because they want what I have in my hand. And sometimes I'll just wait until they look in my eyes, you know? Like, see me here. Don't just see I got sugar wafers, right? I mean, look in my eyes and see this is about us. This is about a relationship. It's not about candy. It's not about cookies, right? This is about you and I together. Seek my face. Same thing in my marriage. If I only sought Kelly's hand, oh, yeah, she does a great job here at the church. She works hard, and she does a great job working at the house, and she cooks great meals, and wow, isn't that great? I'll tell you what, our marriage would fall apart if I'm not also seeking her face and caring about the relationship side. And so God here, he's saying, look, seek my face. Because when you seek my face, you will dis- discover, or maybe in our, some of our cases, rediscover my beauty and my goodness and my love and my mercy. When you and I get caught up in just seeking God's hand, we so often forget about the goodness and the beauty and the mercy. And we're focused on the sugar wafers, right? And God's going, seek my face. I tell you what, when you and I seek the face of God, more and more, we're going to overcome the struggles in our lives because we see him as better. We see him as better. You know, if he's more beautiful to me than any, you know, sin struggle, anything sin has to offer, any temptation, then man, more and more, I'm not going to be perfect, but more and more, I'm going to choose him over and over again because I've sought his face. I've seen how good he is. I've seen how amazing and powerful and beautiful he is. So I want him. And that really leads us beautifully into the next part of what God tells us to do. So he says, humble yourselves, pray, seek my face. Then he says this, and turn from their wicked ways. Turn from their wicked ways. Again, let's look at the screen for a second. It says, tell all the non-Christians to turn from their wicked ways, right? No. Who's he talking to? His people, called by his name. He's not looking at these people or that people or this group or that group and saying, oh man, if they'd get their act together, I mean, the Christians are doing pretty well, but if, man, if they just get their act together, we'd be all right. No, he's saying, look, I want my people called by my name to turn from their wicked 
ways. And the reason seeking his face leads so well into turning from our wicked ways is because, like I just said, when you're seeking God's face, it's going to enable you to turn from your wicked ways. It's going to enable me to turn from my wicked ways because more and more I'm going to see his goodness and beauty and I'm going to want him and his way and his way of doing things. And I'll trust him more. The more I see how beautiful and trustworthy and good and pure and holy he is, the more I'll trust that when he says, no, see, Doug, if you walk down that road, you're going to be miserable. I'll go, okay, God, I see you. I see you for who you are. I see your beauty and your goodness, and I trust you. And so he's looking to you and I. He's wanting to use you. The other night, I was leading a small group at the green room, and Joey had typed up a bunch of questions for us based on his message, and, and he had this concept of kind of, this idea of church being for me, you know, and I come and I get to listen to my message and hear the worship I like and I get to hang out with my friends and I get to just kind of sit and do this and that. And then he, he went on and he developed it a little bit more and he said something great. He said, look, he said, church is not just about you, but more than that, it's not just about me. Like he was talking about himself. Church isn't just about him being up here standing on the stage and being able to preach a great message to the kids. It's when every one of those kids gets that they have ownership in what God wants to do that amazing things can, be, can, be, can begin to happen. And so when you and I, not just me, not just our staff, but when you begin to realize God wants to use you to make a change in this nation and your wicked ways and my wicked ways together are an obstacle to that, I think we may get a little more serious about some of our sin habits. I think we may begin to say, okay, God, I really care about America. I really care about my kids and my grandkids, even though I don't know them yet for some of you guys are saying that. You know, I really want my kids to grow up in a nation where they can love their God and be free, where they can look to their God and they can be a light for God and their voice can be heard. And so I think, what if tonight, we were to begin to take God seriously. He says, okay, when things get bad in the nation, my people, I'm looking to my people, I'm not looking to those people or that group, my people, when they humble themselves and they pray and they seek my face and they turn from their wicked ways, what does he say? The promise he gave to Israel is this, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now I just wanna point out real quickly that this is a specific promise to Israel, okay? So when God gives this promise, he didn't necessarily give this to America. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible, right? America's not even mentioned in the Bible, okay? So he's not necessarily saying like, okay, use this formula and I'm just gonna come do the same thing I did for Israel. But everything we've said tonight is the place to start if we wanna see God do something amazing in America. And he may show up like he did for Israel, he may not, but he's gonna respond to our prayers. And here's what else I can tell you. Every nation Every movement of God, every revival, whatever you want to call it, every movement of God that's happened since this time has started with Christians, not the world, not the people far from God, not non-Christians, but Christians doing these exact things, humbling themselves, praying, seeking the face of God, and turning from their wicked ways. And that was what God responded to. In fact, listen to the next part of the verse. He says this, verse 15, now, now. Now that you've humbled yourselves, prayed, sought my face, turned from your wicked ways, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. You know, God always has his eyes open, right? God's ears are always open. 
But he's saying, now that those things have happened, now that my people have humbled themselves, prayed, sought my face, turned from their wicked ways, now I can hear their prayers. I just kind of wonder, and this is not to guilt trip anybody, because I'm in on this with you, okay? I just wonder if we haven't seen God do more because we haven't yet followed his lead to do these things, you know? I just wonder if in America things have gotten worse and worse because the Christians, his people, those called by his name, maybe we're just not humbled. Maybe we're not praying for our country. Maybe we're not seeking his face and maybe we're not turning from our wicked ways. And just imagine what could happen if we did. Again, this isn't a guilt trip. We're never gonna get this perfect. The grace of God is huge. I'm so thankful for the forgiveness of Jesus on a daily basis because I don't get it right on a daily basis. But as I grow in my relationship with God and I change, and as you grow in your relationship with God and you change and more and more we together collectively do the things we're seeing here tonight, we could just maybe see God do an amazing thing. I think half the reason we don't pray for this and expect it is because it just feels so big. It just feels huge. Yesterday, my buddy Brian Lutz helped me move uh, a TV. My, some friends of ours gave us this really old school TV and it's like the whole planet is in this thing, you know? It's like one of them. It's, it is not flat screen. It's fat screen, I guess you'd call it. It's like literally like 24 inches fat this way and then it's this and like the speaker's attached and there's like bombs on the bottom or something. I don't even know. It's just huge, right? And you know what? When I looked at that, when Brian and I looked at that, like we picked it up at their house and we rolled it out of the U-Haul, we just kind of laughed. Was, there's no way because we need to get it downstairs 13 steps and we were like, there's just no way. There's just no way. And so we just kind of, the initial thought was just leave it in the garage. Just let it sit there, you know? And I think in a similar way, because America's so big and this idea of God changing our entire nation is so big and it feels like so, so unlikely, we just kind of let it sit in the garage, you know? Like we don't really say, okay, let's pick this thing up, man. Let's pick this thing up. Let's believe God to do it. I think it's easier for us to pray for a friend you know, like I'm praying for this guy or that guy. I'm praying that they'll come to know Jesus. I'm praying for my neighbors. Because that seems like it could happen. But America turning back to God kind of feels hopeless. I tell you, something got into Brian and I. And we picked that thing up, man. We lugged that thing down the steps. I came close to death many times. It was kind of fun because I am Batman. And we brought it downstairs and we got that thing and we looked at it and we were satisfied and we were like, wow, this was well Worth it. And you know what? I think if we could just kind of get over the fear, and I think the lie, I think it's a lie of the enemy, honestly, in my head that I hear all the time, it's just too big, it's too lofty, it's too big an idea, Doug. Just, just yeah, yeah, pray for your neighbors, pray for your couple buddies there. But man, if we would say, no, 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 we're gonna pick this thing up. Let's go. It's time. It's heavy, it's awkward, it's bigger than us. So God, please, God, please, would you do these things? I think if you and I were to partner together I think if we were to say, all right, we're going to stop sitting back. We're going to stop allowing things to go the way they were going. We could just see God do something so awesome. And that's what I want to be a part of. And I think that's what you want to be a part of too. I think that's what you want to see God do in this nation. I think we're hardwired for God to do something big through each of us. And so I would encourage you to, to take seriously what we've talked about tonight. And there's three more weeks. We're going to keep on going. There's other responses. There's other things we got to talk about when it comes to this. And it's an uncomfortable and a hard topic. It really is. It's a scary topic. But you know what? I think if you and I respond, God could just respond as well. And so here's what I want you guys to walk out with tonight. It's what we've been going through this entire time.
that you and I, that we, we, we need to humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways and pray that God just might heal our land. He just might do what he did then. And so would you do that? Would you humble yourself? Would you pray daily? Would you seek his face daily? And would you, as God leads you and directs you, turn from your wicked ways? We're not too far gone. We're not too far gone. Let's go first century AD. You ready? Jesus died, rose back from, his dead, from, from the dead, and his followers are beginning to spread this message all around that area. And then this guy Paul comes and he takes it like all, all over the place. And you know what? In the areas where all this took place, guess what happens to Christianity? It's outlawed. They're putting Christians on crosses. They're burning Christians alive. Nero's putting them on fire to light up his gardens at night just for fun. They're throwing them in coliseums to the cheer and applause of everybody. Feels like the most unchristian place in the whole world, right? And a couple hundred years later, an emperor, for one reason or another, decides Christianity is the religion of that area. Rome, which seemed like it would just rule the world forever, is no more like it was. And so you know what? There is no impossible. God's moved in Russia. God's doing stuff right now in China, in Korea, all kinds of amazing, amazing things. And I can guarantee you this. The reason God's doing those things, it's because his people, called by his name in those areas, humbled themselves and they prayed and they sought God's face and they turned from their wicked ways. Let's pray. So God, we are coming to you tonight, Lord, with a heavy heart, God. It's a, it's a difficult thing to think about, Lord. We love our nation. We love our freedom. We love being able to worship like this. We love being able to share your love with others. And so God, would you just help us, Lord? We just come tonight, and, and I know it feels like a lot, but again, I thank you for how this all flows together, God. And so let's walk through this together now. God, we humble ourselves before you. We're going to stop pointing our fingers at the other group and we're going to stop thinking that we kind of got this. And when we humble ourselves, God, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And I pray that every single follower of Jesus in this room would be reminded daily to cry out to you to do something big in our nation. And God, we're not just going to seek your hand. We're going to seek your face. We're going to see your beauty. And God, when we see your beauty, we're going to turn from our wicked ways. And so God, would you just help us as we try to live this out, as we try to get motivated, as it feels way too big and way too heavy. We thank you, God, that you're able to do all things. And we thank you that there are countless times and countless nations you've already done this in in the last several thousand years. And so God, we come to you and we ask for your help. If you're a follower of Jesus, take those steps right now. Humble yourself. Even now, pray that God would change our country. Ask him for a heart to seek his face. And if there are things in your life that you know you need to turn from, would you ask him for the strength and the ability to do that? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you see our heart tonight. We're not gonna be this militant group that's trying to take over the world. We're just people whose lives have been changed by God and we love others and we wanna see their lives changed too. And you heard me say just a minute ago that Jesus died and he rose again. And if you want a relationship with him, if you want to know the forgiveness I was talking about, that daily forgiveness, if you want to know the closeness to the presence of God that I was talking about much earlier, 
God wants to make that available and real to you. And so if you want to put your faith in him tonight, you could pray something like this just quietly. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for dying for me. I trust in you that you rose back from the dead and that my sins are forgiven and that this salvation is a gift. Help me to see how real you are and let that presence of God be so real and powerful in my life. Amen.